Hey everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Mindset Podcast. I hope by now you've subscribed to this podcast and shared it with a friend and I'm excited to share yet another episode with you all. This podcast, as you know, is all about creating the future of servant leadership and help more people to find their true purpose and meaning to life. Today, I have another amazing guest to share their wisdom with you all. Her name is Dr. Renee Madre, and she's a sought-after educational psychologist, author, and international speaker who inspires and motivates on a daily basis. She lights up the room with her authentic approach and exudes compassion through her words. Combining her lived experience with her expertise as a researcher, she delivers compelling yet relatable presentations for conferences, online events, interviews, panels, meetings, retreats that have been met with rave reviews and can be adapted to suit your venue and your audience. The founder of Transcendent Heart Life Coaching and My Inner Revolution, Renee presents cutting-edge strategies, including something called FLOW, which stands for Finding Life's Optimal Way, which aids listeners in accessing the largely untapped potential for bringing our mental and emotional energies into greater balance and self-directed control to improve well-being, performance and relationship satisfaction. In this episode, Renee shares her wise words on how one can find their sense of purpose by introspecting and finding self-love, but also reaching in deeper to be able to unleash their warrior within. She also touches on her morning routine and how she stays grounded each day so she can have the most productive day ahead. Without further ado, let's get straight into this. Hey Renee, how are you? I am so excited for this episode. Honestly, I've been looking forward to this for such a long time now. And I'm so glad we finally somehow managed to make this time to have this conversation. But how are you? I know life has been super busy for you and lots, lots of different things are happening. And your new book just came out and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to have a conversation with you ASAP. But how's yes. Things- well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. And congratulations on your new podcast. Thank you so and- much. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited. I love the topic and the theme of the podcast. I think it fits really well with what I've been doing, particularly over the last year. I've been super busy launching courses, um, you know, really creating a community, doing a lot of really great things, um, looking at establishing a foundation in India and around the world related to the work that I've been doing. And yes, so the book came out in January. The second book is due out in another month or two. And it's moving along, moving along. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. No worries. I mean, so uh, there's a lot of things I want to ask you in this conversation because I know we have like an hour or so and there's so many things like since we've been connected for quite a while now and supporting each other on this platform. And I remember having a conversation with you, actually you just mentioned earlier the fact that it's so amazing how we can connect to people all around the world, right, with the internet, when people just like 20, 30 years ago didn't have access to it. And they, they like, we're really lucky to have what we have today, to be able to, when we feel low or we feel down or we have things going on in our life, to speak to a stranger across the world that actually cares about you is yeah. such an amazing thing. And I'm, that's one thing I am so grateful for. Um, but the one thing I wanted to ask you is, obviously, you've been connecting with so many people, like you said, you're establishing foundations, you wrote your book, and you know, you're doing so much in your life. But the one thing I always wanted to ask you, because I know you're a mother of two as well. So how do you balance like 
your life basically with your kids with your business with your hobbies with your passion like how do you balance everything I may look like I do, but honestly, I probably would say that I probably don't do as well of a good job as I probably should. Let's just put that out in the universe right now. But I think that it comes down to, you know, each day I kind of have this routine. I kind of posted in one of my stories one time. I do five things every morning before I get out of bed. And so that sort of helps to center me and ground me into what it is that I need to do that day. And also what is my purpose for that day? So I think that as long as I stay within that mode of staying into that center of who I am and what my purpose is for the day, I always get done what's in alignment with that purpose. Does that mean every task gets done? No. You know, there's been days where you're like, oh, I forgot to pay this bill. Oh, I forgot to order lunches for the school year. Oh, I need to go pick up this for, you know, my son. You know, things like that just happen. And I remember you posting about this once, and I'm sort of the very much the same way, where just be kind and compassionate to yourself that, you can't do it all. And if you pretend that you have to do it all, you're going to struggle with it. And so I just give myself permission every day. I set one thing that's really significant for me to do in a, in a sort of theme, right? It's a life theme or daily theme. Every year I have a theme too, instead of doing like New Year's resolutions. Okay. I have a theme for the year. And so every day is the same thing. What is my theme? What is the thing that I need to sort of do for the world today? And all these things just sort of get done. They always get done. And if they don't get done today, they'll get done tomorrow. And it sort of just works out that way. But my children are my anchor. They are my foundation. They are everything. And I will wipe and put everything away for the sake of them, you know, and I tell them there's, there's keywords. If you ever need me and I look like I'm busy or I'm doing something, but it's of these critical things that you need for me, here's your keywords. And you say these to me and mommy's there. And so, yeah. Um, Oh, just mommy. I need you now. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Now. And it's not mommy. I want, you know, $10 from my Xbox game or this or that. That's not going to get me out of a session, but you know, my daughter had something happen the other day and it was really critical. It was related to how she felt about how her and her friend were getting along. That was important for me to be there, you know, to help her with that. So I think, again, it's just, it's one of those, I set my day through, you know, I pray, I forgive, I do my breathing, I do my stretching and I set my intention for the day. And once I do that, I'm, I'm gone. Like that's it, you know, and there, and I go a long time too. My days are very, very long. I'm probably, I work probably anywhere from 10 to 12 hours every day. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. So how do you do, like, so where'd you find the energy then to, after you get home from work, like where'd you find the energy to carry on doing, like, you know, going after your passion and, and all your side hustles that you're, that you're currently kind of working on as well? Well, luckily, you know, my life now, I don't go to an eight to five job anymore. You know, I mean, I'm a university professor, but my courses are either online or on specific days of the week. And as long as we're publishing and doing our work offside campus, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm permitted to do. And so, you know, as long as I stay within the requirements of the university and how I can work and those kinds of things, it's pretty open. And summertime, I don't work at the university. So it's really open to me being able to expand. And that's why I tend to do a lot of my work in the months but you know so I have a lot of flexibility that probably a lot of people don't have you know during the week or during the day but still even when I did I knew what I wanted to do I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life and where I was headed and it just seems like when you 
what you do, that energy just sort of comes up. You know, I don't really have a problem with that. I have more of a problem with beating myself up when I don't look like I am where I want to be compared to other people. That's where I'll become my own energy vampire or something like that and start draining myself. And so I've had to learn some new habits over the years, which I'm sure we could talk about, but to keep myself from going into that mindset that I'm not like this person who I emulate, or I don't have this many followers, or I'm not getting this response or this, this or that. And I've had to learn to kind of let that go. And that's where my energy has sort of come back from. So, so touching on that, actually, that's, that's a good point that you brought up because I, I also connect with a lot of people that tell me that, um, how do I stop beating myself up? How do they, um, get their mindset? How do they get out of this mindset of like, uh, looking at the followers and the likes and the numbers and like basically just wanting to be liked and wanting to be yeah. someone looked like someone important online. How does someone right now listening to this podcast, how do they get out of that mindset of wanting to every day think like, oh, I'm not where I need to be when really they are where they should be? Because we can only do so much every day. And I loved what Amberly said in, what, in, in, the, in her episode when she said, we can just do what you do, what we can every single day. Yeah. That's all we can I do. Yeah, and Amberly's one of those ones, right? Who you look at her and she's just doing fantastic. But that didn't just happen overnight. You know, that's the thing that people don't recognize that those of us who've been in this field have been in this field for years. This takes drive and commitment and effort and belief and all and faith. It takes all of those variables to come together all at one time when they crossroad right at the right moment that's where that miracle sort of happens, right? But it's not a miracle in the sense of the way that we think it is. It's, you know, that that whole saying where opportunity meets preparation, right? And being in that right space at that right time when you've put in all of that work. So I think that they have to recognize that if you're not where you think you should be, it's simply about time and give yourself time. Forgive yourself for that. Um, I had somebody ask me just recently, you know, you have all these things taking off. How is this happening? I'm trying to do this. And I said, I've been doing this for seven years. This is not something that just, boom, hello, yeah. I am Dr. Renee. I totally get that. So. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen like that. I burnt out. You know, I stopped coaching years ago. I walked away from it because I was a horrible, horrible businesswoman. I didn't even know what to do on that side of the coin. And then I went away and raised my children and came back. And now I know more. And when you know more, you do better, right? And so I think that's a big thing too, is just forgive yourself and really be realistic in Mm -hmm. the amount of time that you've really been in the field. The other thing too, I think is, and I heard this once before was, be the most authentic, greatest version of yourself versus trying to be an inauthentic, fake, copycat version of somebody else that you emulate or are trying to be like. Because the energy that you're putting out when you're not being you is the first thing people feel. They know that's not you. And there's an unfortunate thing. You know, I'm not being judgmental, but there are a lot of people in all fields, walks of life, professions. They read a book and they hurry up and want to teach it. They read an article and they hurry up and want to teach it. Oh, they went to Joe Dispenza's, you know, convention. Oh my God, I'm now Joe Dispenza and I'm, I'm going to teach it. And it's like, no, you have to take all of those great things and intertwine them and integrate them into who you are. And whatever sticks, sticks, whatever falls apart and away from you will fall away. But you still have to figure out who you are and what message you're going to take with all of that. And I think that's why a lot of coaches particularly get lost because they just take it and they try to become it first and then they lose themselves. And that's one thing I've always done. It's just me. 
I hope that. And I think that's what most people think when they see me is like, oh yeah, that's just Dr. Renee, you know? I mean, it's just me. Sometimes I cry in my lives. Sometimes I'm like very emotional. I'm not afraid to be authentic and those kinds of things. I think that would help too, as people really get down to the nitty gritty or what I call the purge is an activity that I do with a lot of my clients of who are you really? What are you not? What have you become because of the sake of other people? But who are you really, truly at the core essence of you? If you market that, package that and put that out, you're going to do great every time. I think, yeah, I think it's spot on because I think a lot of people just connect with other people's energy nowadays. That they just want vulnerability. They want you to, you know, they, they just see a person and automatically, just like you said, they see if this guy is, or this girl is real because of the authenticity, because of the way they speak, because of the passion that they exude online, if it, if it is online or whether it's in real life. Like for me anyway, like I always tell people this, I have this natural talent of just figuring someone out just by hearing them speak to me. Like I, just from the energy of them being around me and just talking, I already know if I like this person or not. Like I can tell if someone's a very sneaky kind of like a dodgy type of person if they say things to me in a specific type of way I straight away I can I can pick it up really quickly um and I, that's not something I learned it's something I just have as a natural gift I intuitive think. yeah yeah and I just and I just feel other people's energy this is why like one of the things I'm super grateful for today is all the people just like yourself that I connect with every single day online I somehow just attract them into my life because I am just the most realest, honest person there is that anyone ever meets. And I'm just so genuine online. I'm genuine offline. Like people know me for Sadiq, whether it's online or offline, I'm the same guy. I don't change. Right. I'm yeah. crazy. I'm stupid. My English isn't great, but I don't <laughs> care because I just be myself and I have fun and I share with people just what it is that I love and my energy because I have a lot of energy and I just want to give it out to the people that don't have much or that are seeking this energy and for me, it's just about, like I always talk about, it's just about spreading more love and kindness. And, you know, me wanting to now go out and speak to, you know, speak on stages around the world. It just made me realize what my life purpose really is. Yeah. Just to touch a people's, you know, just to touch people's soul, their heart. The fact that I have found something that I love and that I'm doing every single day because I'm super passionate about it. No one's telling me or forcing me to do it. It's just something right. that I want to do. Yeah. You hit on a big point right there. Nobody's forcing you to do it, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's, that was a big story of my life. It was, you know, even with all my accomplishments, right? Because I lived as a child with really profound anxiety and panic. And that's how I got into the field of mental health. And I remember just being really troubled with all of that and, you know, working really hard as valedictorian in my class. I went on, you know, college with honors. I got a PhD. I was a university professor, tenured really early, you know, all these accolades. But yet, like, I realized that there was just this piece that, like, I felt like I was carrying somebody else's life at some point. Mm. You know, I was carrying mom and dad's desires. I was carrying mom and dad's disappointments in their own life. And there was a lot. There was, I was heavy after a while, you know, I got to be about your age. I was just about in my mid to late twenties. And I think I probably had like that first quarter, life kind of crisis breakdown mm. where I was like, I was a teacher, but I hated my job and I loved teaching, but I hated the bureaucracy of the public school system. And I still do, um, you know, those kinds of things were just so heavy on me. And I was like, what am I supposed to be doing with my life? 
And I finally got, you know, into a PhD program and found my passion and really started taking those classes and hearing those professors talk those words of the things that I was like, oh, what is that? I want to know more. And nobody was forcing me anymore. Nobody was telling me, you know, if you just try harder, even though I had all these accomplishments, people who were close to me still said, you should try harder. If you tried harder, you could be more. I was like, damn, what else can I be at this point? Like, oh, I don't want to be anymore. I want to be less. I just want to be me, right, in my purest form. And that, that really was kind of the hook for my book was, you know, really kind of showing the world how I began to unpack all that stuff to live in my purpose. You know, that was, that was really where all that came from. Mm. So was there like a, a specific moment in your life where, you know, something triggered that made you, because uh, I know you just said that you found your passion through listening to these professors and, you know, finding, going, going for that PhD, but was it, was it like a specific thing or a, a specific moment that just happened that triggered that thought in your mind that made you think, I really want to do this actually. This is, this is really my passion, my purpose. And then just made you want to just go for it. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. My dad actually passed away uh, one month prior to my entrance into my PhD program. Um, And I remember he, um, he had lung cancer and brain cancer. And so he had a conversation with me. This is in my book, actually. He had a conversation with me in the kitchen. My dad was an like amazing, intelligent, articulate man with no high school education. He had to drop out of 10th grade to go to work, you know, and, and marry my mom and, and be the honorable man of that time and day, right? Because they had a little one on the way and, oh my God, you know, those kinds of things. So get married and have your life. And I remember my dad saying to me in the kitchen that day, he said, you know what? My cancer is going to get bad. It's going to get fast. Um, they tell me I probably won't be able to talk. I won't be able to communicate. And that's what we lived for was to talk to one another. And he said to me, he said, but I want you to know how proud I am of you, um, of getting into this PhD program. I know that this is what you really wanted to do with your life. And no matter what anybody tells you, no matter what anybody says, you stay in that path of what you want. You know, he said, you're a shining star no matter what you do. And I just remember him and, and he got sick really fast in that time period. He lost all cognitive ability within probably about three months of that conversation. He no longer could talk to me. Wow. And you know, he wasn't even the same man at the end, you know. And I just remember at that point when he passed away, it was hard. I mean, I had a rough year after that. But as, as that kind of lifted, I lived my life in honor of that moment because that was where I truly found me you know, was through my dad dying, I live. And that's, you know, kind of that, that magical moment. I wish he was still here, of course, but I don't know if that moment would have happened. You know, I really don't. I think everything happens the way it's supposed to. Yeah. That's something I always say to the people that I connect with, like, cause a lot of people that reach out to me and they tell me like everything that's going on in their life. Cause they just automatically yeah. trust me because of my videos and my posts. And they share a lot of, a lot of their life with me, which of course I don't mind because I, the whole point of why I do what I do is cause I want to help people. I never speak about money or take money from anyone. I never sell anything. I'm just all about just giving back and just spreading my, the, the, the knowledge that I have right now from the things I've learned and my experiences, I share that. And one of the things I always start my sentences off with is I'm not a professional in this. You could definitely seek a professional, but my advice is this, 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 this is what I would do if I was in your boat. And that just kind of reassures that person that, okay, you know, I'm not a professional, 
which is true. I'm not. Um, and when my name used to be Coach Shadiq, everyone thought I'm a professional. And one of the reasons why I shifted it and I changed it because I was like, it's not really serving a purpose and people are taking it the wrong way now. So mm-hmm. something had to change. And yeah. then obviously me thinking long-term, I was like, you know what, I'm really a speaker and that's my passion. So yeah. I have to change my name to Speaker Sadiq. And indirectly, I'll be coaching people anyway so they can call me coach if they want. Indirectly, I'll be helping them in their life. But something right. that you just shared as well, like, so do you know after that moment when, when you realized that your dad passed away and then you had that thought of like, crap like you know like you said you you found meaning in your life and you found life was it like for the people that are listening if they can't find the moment or if that external factor that came into your life that shifted your perspective and your mindset to to completely change your life to where it is today if they don't have anything like that how does one like find that sense of urgency to change their life that's I think it's so powerful. I think. Yeah, it's a good question. I I think that there's kind of two avenues, right? Some of us find our purpose through our pain and other people find their purpose through their joy. And so I always tell people that if you're looking through the joy, you're looking through the lens of the good in your life and what do I love to do and what makes me happy. And, and still you're kind of saying, well, I don't really feel like that's why I'm here though. You know, I love gardening or I love taking care of little ones or I love this but it's not why I'm solely here. I can't figure out what that is inside that sometimes it's worth to go into that shadow part of ourselves, to go into that space that maybe um, you hear me talk about this often. What is the one thing in your life that you were the most ashamed of or shy about or afraid of, or, you know, didn't want people to know, or was the last thing that you brought out into when we think of the four dimensions of self, it was that one component you kept to the last part um, that you told people about yourself. That might very well be the reason for your existence, the purpose, the, what we call Dharma, right? In the world of spirituality, you know, why are you here that path? And I have a client right now. We actually just had this conversation where you know, she really didn't think that that was why she was here. She was looking at all these other avenues and we have this conversation and say, even in your pain, there still is purpose. And let's like Amberly, right? I mean, that came through pain and, you know, let's look at that lens. Let's not be afraid to touch it. Let's not be afraid to tap into it and say, how can I serve? Right. Cause every day for us, right. is service. That's 99.9% of my day is meant to serve. And that little tiny 0.1% is to energize and call it all back so I can do it again tomorrow. And so I think, look at both ways, look at, you know, what do I love to do? Can I find it in my joy? And if not, then go ahead and look in that shadow box and don't be afraid to open that lid and say, maybe that one thing that I pushed away was exactly what I need to look at. And a lot of people find it there. You know, we have some of the greatest speakers in the world who found their, their passion through, purpose, or through pain and their purpose that way. The other thing, though, too, is people get confused about profession and are blessed to be able to be having a career in our purpose. But you don't have to to feel fulfilled. You don't have to. It can be you can go to work nine to five like you, maybe till six, right? Um, And come home and still have a purpose outside of what that is. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to feel shame about it. You don't have to feel guilt about it. You get to find a blessing in the fact that that's an extension off of something else that you're doing. And so it may not be connected to anything you do for a profession too. So I tell people, you got to look far. You really got to rub those lenses off. You got to look clearly And you got to say, you know, what is it 
that the world, if you believe in God, what would God want you to be doing right now with all that you've lived, every story you have, every hurt you've ever experienced, every love and joy you've ever had? What would God want you to be speaking to people? And I think people find it. They find it that way, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, basically you have to tap into that creativity, isn't it? And find that vulnerability deep down to just be open about it. And I think one of the things obviously that I always share is like, I think you'll only find that purpose or that mission in your life once you really, really look deep, but you also stop caring about the opinions of others. Oh my God, yes. Yes. So, yeah, what's, what's your take on that? Like, because I think most people... I'm in my 40s and I still care what people say to a point, but it certainly is not as significant or paramount as it used to be, you know? And when I, you know, I teach at a university, I teach undergrads, masters, grad students. So I have everything from 18-year-olds to 60-year-olds sometimes as students. And I noticed the biggest difference in my, you know, upper teen to mid 20 people who really are concerned everybody's saying this and doing this and all that it's part of the evolution right of establishing wisdom for oneself there's no way that one can it's part of how we how we gain crystallized intelligence right we can't skip that phase it's part of the natural maturation process your frontal lobe is still forming till you're 25 it's going to care what other people think but when you get older and if that's still showing up that has more to do with a part of you that's unresolved. It has a part of you that you still feel really insecure about that you haven't really gone into. Um, tomorrow I'm doing this inner child workshop and, and it's a big part for people to really be able to look at that part of themselves and not beat themselves up anymore, but be really loving and compassionate and, and, you know, forgive oneself, care about why they haven't been able to resolve that. You know, someone hurt you, someone said something to you, maybe you let yourself down, right? You let past a wonderful relationship or a job or something like that. And you're carrying around that weight. And that's why you care so much about what people think, because people who are clean of that and come out and say, this is just me, you know, and that's the part where you can tell people who've handled their conflicts and let go of that shame and hurt and all those kinds of things versus those who haven't. So I think that's a big thing is really getting in touch with oneself introspectively and Mm -hmm. doing that work first and then seeing what's left and that might require a professional or that could be something you could do on your own right in in other self-development ways but that's what I would probably recommend yeah, that's what I think that was really powerful, actually. That that I learned a lot from just what you just said just then. Oh, thank you. I think, the thing is that people don't, like, nowadays, I don't see people have, like, really deep conversations. It's just all about sports or television or news or the new movie. It's never, like, a deep conversation. Like, we don't just go, go and meet up with our friends and be like, hey, like, how's life, man? Like, what what, what do you really want to do in your life? What are the dreams that you have? What are, the, what are your goals that people don't even ask their own friends? What are your goals? Because mm-hmm. they don't really think that's an important topic to talk about. They, they're more interested in who won the football game or, you know, they're more interested in other things or gossip about this person and that person. But I think, like, what would you say to people that, okay, let's just say like there's people listening right now that probably have negative friends around them and that negative energy. And that's one of the things that's causing them to, to not go and kind of be more vulnerable and be more open about what their passion is. Because I believe personally that everybody knows what their passion is. 
everybody knows what it is. And when I had a chat with David Meltzer the other day for, for the podcast coming out, he actually shared something really powerful that stuck with me. He said, everybody knows their passion, but they're just too scared to let it out because, of, because they care about what other people think about them. Yeah. And once they let that go, that's when their life changes. Yeah, absolutely. That energy thing he was talking about is so powerful because I think that those negative people around us is what slows us down or completely just never allows us to open up. Yeah. And you know, that in the essence of the core of my book in the unbecoming is all about that, that we have these five dimensions of self, right? We have these elements that all start to create what we become. And so the voices that we hear are one, whether it's outside of ourselves or our own critical voice on the inside, whatever that is, that voice plays a huge role in what we choose to pursue, the goals we choose to go down or not, whether fear comes through or not, whether courage comes through or not. Those voices are really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. One of those other five is also the tribe, right? Who do you keep around you? And you know, the greatest speakers in the world have always said that you are the equivalent, right? Of, of those that are around you in your tightest circle. And so if you have, you know, I don't like using the word toxic. It's one thing that I just really am against, but I think that when we look at people, cause I don't think people are ever toxic. I think we acquire toxic behaviors through our environment, through things that we are, you know, within traumas, family members, things like that. We just learn really bad habitual patterns and many people can unleash that, but many people don't try hard enough or they fail at it. Right. And so I think that that's what happens is you kind of look at the people who are around you and you have to ask yourself the question, are they going in the same direction I am? They don't have to be doing what you're doing, but they need to be going in the same direction, right? They need to be able to say, you know, of the people I talk to, all people are positive, optimistic, you know, caring, compassionate. Like these are the key elements in a person who I surround myself with. I don't care about wealth, but most of these people usually end up doing very well in their life because they're genuine and they're passionate and they care. And so that stuff naturally comes. But for some people, it doesn't. But, you know, all those little frivolous, trivial things, like you mentioned before, will start to fall off of people over time, right? As they start to see the significance of life. You know, I went through cancer. I went through these things. I faced death. You know, I had to be able to think about not being here anymore. And I think that that plays a huge role in how you look at your day. Then after that, like you never take a second for granted. Mm -hmm. Um, and those kinds of things. But I think again, the people you have near you, particularly the tightest part of your unit, even your family, you know, yes, I'm of Western culture and a lot of people can't do what I did, but I, I literally had to let go of family members for some periods of time, you know, no contact. And people say, well, how could you do that? Yeah, it it pained my heart. But they were some of the most difficult people to have around me that were really trying to keep me grounded. My my friend once mentioned in a a chat that he had, he said, you know, when family members do that, you really have to look at the fact they lack cultural capital of understanding what you're even doing, right? They have no clue. Like they didn't even graduate high school or go to college. They don't know what a financial aid form looks like. They don't know what your career choices are. You're online doing what? You know, all they thought of was bad stuff happened online back then. And so they, you have to be forgiving, but you don't have to keep letting them bring that energy into what you're trying to do. And so boundaries, 
if you can't get them to just push them away for a moment period of time while you try to figure out who you are, then you need to have really healthy boundaries. I appreciate what you're saying to me. I appreciate your feedback today. However, I'm in disagreement with you and I'm going to continue doing this. I mean, that's all, that was constantly my conversation. You know, Renee, if you tried harder, you could have been more. Thank you. However, I'm pretty satisfied with where I am right now. And I appreciate your guidance. You don't have to start screaming and yelling and fighting back. You just set a really beautiful boundary. I hear you. I honor you. I honor me and I hear me and I'm going to keep going in this direction. And so I think you have to unpack some of those people for a period of time. But if you think about it, not as death, as we do, we tend to think of every relationship that ends. Oh my God, it's over. Nothing is ever over. Nothing. Nothing is ever permanent. Everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. So these friends can mature and grow and give them that space to do that. By you walking over in the, this space and saying, here's where I'm headed. I honor me, but I also honor you that you're not ready for where I'm going. And that's okay. Take your time and do you. And hopefully we'll meet up again sometime in our life. And then you get to constantly free space for the people who are meant to come into your life at that point. And I think that's, that's the beautiful part. For everyone who goes out, one comes in, right? Yeah. Definitely. I can, I can definitely resonate with that. So what about the people that have those negative family members, like I used to, but, mm-hmm. but like how, if they can't do what you did and set, you know, set those boundaries or leave home or do something else, how do they put up with the negative energy then? Because if they're living yeah. at home with their parents or their family members that are negative towards them, how do they put up with that and carry on pursuing their, their vision? Yeah. And that's where you got to kind of start seeing yourself as kind of like a warrior within like this never ending kind of battle. You know, um, that was one thing. It's like chapter four in my book where I talked about where I finally put my sword down in life. I felt like I had to carry a shield and a sword and I had to fight these battles all of my life to try to keep myself safe. You know, and I did. I had to create and sort of an illusion of, of armor to keep myself away from that. And so you know, like, again, if you're faith-based, you know, really getting into a practice each day, a ritual every single day, whatever you want to call it, of, you know, keeping your energy with you. We tend to let our energy go away from us all day long, especially those of us who serve, and we forget to call it back. Hmm. We think that it's, it's negative to call our energy back. And it's like, no, we need that to be able to serve tomorrow. You know, all the greatest leaders of the world, Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad and, you know, everybody all served, but yet they still came back to themselves. They were the truest, purest form of themselves. And, you know, when you're in line with your family each day, you're going to have to make sure you're doing this work to protect yourself. You know, again, praying and and being good to yourself and self-love and making sure that you're treating your body well, your spirit well, all those kinds of things, because that's the only way you're going to get through that. And so you kind of have to see yourself in battle and do the things that you need to do to survive in that space and know that it too will pass. Eventually you will leave that environment. I mean, again, in some cultures they don't, right? So we have to be kind of cautious and assuming that because some will be moving in with their in-laws and that and <laughs> may not have a choice, right? If you're from an Asian culture like myself, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the women go and live with their husband's family, yeah. whether they like them or not. And, exactly. you know, I live in a very Western culture where we go and we move away, Right. And so it's very different. So I think that there's a lot of psychological work. There's a lot of relational work. Um, I think sometimes being honest and open in dialogue with those family members about how what they are saying is hurting you, 
even though they may not change, at least speaking the words um, sometimes can be freeing. And disassociating is kind of the last thing I would recommend. Disassociating is never the best answer. But for those of us who may have had to live with a victimizer or, you know, have a narcissistic boss or something like that, that we can't get away from disassociating while you're in that environment is healthy. It it gets you to survive, but you have to learn how to reassociate once you remove yourself from the environment. And that's where people tend to fail. They stay disassociated with their friends and their family and they forget to reintegrate. And so that would probably take somebody professional who could help them, you know, do that work too. Amazing. I love that. You you spoke about self-love. Um, and I know that you speak about that a lot. Talk to people about, uh, like, share, share some of your, like, experiences on self-love. Like, how, how can someone listening right now find that self-love? Because I know a lot of people really, really struggle with this. Like, yeah. they, think it's some, it's, they think it's selfish to be, to, to, to be this person of self-love and always tell yourself, I love myself. And I, I hug yourself. I hug, yeah, myself. hug myself. And like, I saw a video once. Let's and like, hug yourself right now. Go ahead. <laughs> just, like, just hug you. Just give yourself a hug. But you know what, right? I had, I had a person actually reach out to me once on Instagram. They messaged me um, a video, not even a text message. They messaged me a video of them talking wow. and they shared some, some stuff of their life, whatever. And like they were talking about self-love and stuff like that in this video. And they were like, like you know, hugging themselves and stuff like that on the video. And I found it a bit creepy because, you know, obviously if a, if you, if a stranger just sends you a, a message and just shares some of their life with you because they trust you so much from watching your videos and getting so much inspiration from you. And they're sharing a video about self-love and them hugging themselves. I thought, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. What's going on? Like you haven't even said like who you are, where you're from. or I don't even know you yet. Why are you sharing everything with me? But I think sometimes, especially in what we do and when we are serving others and when we are putting out our positive energy and, and good vibes into the, into the universe, we, yeah, we just attract all these beautiful people, but some of them are weird. I'm not going to lie because I've, <laughs> I've, had, I've personally connected to a lot of weird people that really didn't resonate with me. I just saw it and I was like, whoa, like I did not expect that from you, man. But it's also at the same time really, really like humbling for myself because the fact that they reached out to me like I still see myself as like I'm, I'm nobody big you know I'm just a normal guy sitting here in London and just sharing things I'm learning from other people and just experiences I'm going through so the fact that people reach out to you asking for for guidance and for help in their life it really humbles me because it just allows me it, it, it just makes me realize you know what what I'm doing is really good and no matter what people say no matter if I ever feel down or no matter if I ever doubt myself I know that I'm doing something good, you know, to, to help others in the world. And that's why I'm super passionate about what I do, because I know I'm on the right path. I know that I, I don't care about the money and people feel my energy because they know this guy doesn't want money. They're like, this guy just really wants to help me. And that's how I've always been. That's just my upbringing from my family and my parents. So that's just the type of person I've become. Also from obviously my faith as well. I just believe in being kind, compassionate, spreading more kindness and love and peace in the world. Absolutely. Just because like life is too short and there's, there's no point having negative energy with people and, and kind of causing conflict in the world. Why don't, like something else I learned from a mentor of mine is like, if we can just help 10 people in our life become more positive and, and be more kind, those 10 people will share those characteristics and attributes with another 10 people. And if we can just keep doing that and and making this ripple effect around the world, we can change the world. I truly believe we can. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and thinking about the concept of self-love, you know, I will, I, I'll say this, I'll address it first. What isn't self-love, you know, and people tend to mistake self-love as self-care, mm. you know, we're like, oh, I'm going for a manicure. I'm going for a pedicure. I'm going for a massage today. Oh, I went for a run. Yes. I walked my dog and that's beautiful. You know, don't, yeah. Take care of yourself. Do what you got to do. But that isn't what self-love is. Can those things lead to self-love? Sure, they can help manage. You feel better about yourself, right? And keep that energy level up. But true self-love is getting to a place within your own self, recognizing everything that you are, everything. I mean, this is the shadow work, right? This is the work that we do when we look at every door we've ever walked through, everything we've ever spoken, every action we've ever engaged in, every deed we've ever done. And at the end of the day, this is who Renee is. And that is okay. I've done my forgiveness. I've done my, you know, asking and seeking redemption. I've done a lot of different things in my life and getting to the place of recognizing that all that had to happen, all of it, no matter how much it hurt you, no matter how much you got from it, everything at the end of the day is you. And when you can finally accept that and you can say, all right, that's me. It doesn't mean you have to continue to do those things that maybe you weren't in agreement with or you didn't like or brought you pain. You come to a place of recognizing no longer having shame or doubt or envy or guilt or any of those other negative emotions about it. You just come to a neutral space and you say, this is me. I always call myself baby girl. It's really funny. I'm like, I, my mirror work that I do, I'm like, baby girl, you have done as much as you could today. And I know your heart hurts because these things have happened recently, but you know what? You're doing all you can you know, mm-hmm. and just find that space of love for you. That's self-love. When you can talk to yourself compassionately, you can forgive yourself at the end of the day. You can seek forgiveness from other people. You can right your wrongs. You can, you can mark your wrongs and know what you've done. Um, you, you know how to go out and do better the next day compared to what you did today. Um, you give to other people. I might've been repetitive on that one, but those kinds of things are, that's what self-love is. And so the self-love movement today is getting people to stop beating themselves up, you know, to stop feeling shame for what they aren't, to Mm. stop feeling envious of other people, to stop, you know, feeling consumed with worry about their future. You know, it's more about coming to this time space right now and saying, what am I? Who am I? And what am I to give? And being happy in that, that's self-love. That's true self-love, but that takes, that takes work. Yeah, definitely. It does, it does, it is something very deep. And I think it does take a, a long while for someone to really get deep into that and really shift and have that paradigm shift. But I was going to yeah. say, do you, do you think self-love and, and mindfulness is like, are they correlated together? Like, do, do they, do they fit together? Like being oh. mindful and self-love? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The more people who engage in mindful practices have higher levels and capabilities of being able to move into self-love. Absolutely. Because if we are allowing the burden of the day to consume us, we're going to be overwhelmed, aren't we? And we're going to be living in, I, I have the personality that tends to always move back into wounding. You know, what happened to me and oh my God, and I needed to be validated and verified for all these things that happened to me because that was my story. And then I have other people in my life who are so consumed with where they're going. And when you get those two personalities together, there's nothing but this black hole in the middle of you. 
and there's nothing going on. And so learning to live in the, the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, like I'll tell you right now, I have no idea what's on my agenda tomorrow besides my workshop. And I know there's lots to fill in there, but I don't have a clue. And when I wake up in the morning and I do my five, I'll look at my schedule. I'll figure it out. And do I miss appointments occasionally? But you know what? Like that's the part of, I don't want to consume myself anymore and get over perplexed believing that this is how I'm supposed to be. And so the mindfulness definitely, definitely helps, you know, those kinds of things um, to really reduce and bring yourself back into that kind of pattern for sure. Yeah. And I'll tell you this too. I, you, I think you'll appreciate this being a speaker. So um, I recently just submitted a TEDx application, but I also have been asked to do a um, address at a high school um, here in the area that I'm from. Nice. Congrats on the... Thank you. The funny part of this talk is this. Here's my recommendation. And this is why I'm going to say it. So, you know, when you talk to teenagers, I taught them for many, many years. And I love adolescents and teenagers. I have a tween now, which I adore. But I will tell you this. If I had heard this way back when, I think it would have saved most of my 20s. So I tell people, here's the deal. When you're in self-healing, introspective work, and you're really trying to do that work that we're talking about here on this podcast today. How do you get to that space of loving yourself? How do you get to being able to find your purpose? How do you get to be able to do this? You have to clear your path. Like if you've got all these people playing parts in your life and you giving your energy freely to all of these people and all these places, guess where that comes from? That comes from you. You deplete your source. You deplete your ability to be able to think about what you want to do, feel what you want to feel, move out and do the things that you want to do. You're depleted before you even start. Where does it come from? Please forgive me for saying this, but here's my answer. We have no business, no business being in relationships until we're at least 24, 25 years old. You heard me say it. And I'm going to say this to this group of people. Well, you know what their reaction is going to be. They're going to be like, what? Huh? Yeah, I dated in high school. I dated in college. I wish I hadn't. And there wasn't anything horrible that came out of it other than now being someone who specializes in neuropsychology is understanding the brain and how it works. So as teens and young adults, our brain is still fully developing in the frontal capacity of the emotion center, the main hub of who we are and where we find our passion and purpose, right? And so if that part of our brain doesn't start until we're about 11 or 12 and finish till we're about 24, 25, and we're out here, so we don't know who we are, we don't know what we want to do, and we're dabbling in relationships with people who don't know who they are and don't know what they wanted to do, and guess what happens? We get consumed with them. They get consumed with us. We get off our paths. This is where usually if people lose their path and their purpose, it's right here. I I give up what I want to be because I'm so attached and afraid of losing that person. Mm. I also give in because I don't want to create conflict and worry in my relationship. We shouldn't be consumed with those types of relationships at that young of an age. That's why we end up being 40, 50, and 60 doing the spiritual work later because we recognize the flaws of our method. If we had spent more time, like you guys are doing now, Sadiq, in your 20s, really doing the soul work, the self-work, the personal development, the rest of your life is going to be magnificent. You're not going to be on my couch in therapy when you're 45. (laughs) Yeah. And um, the clients who I have are those who really look at it and go, I got consumed with someone else. Mm. I got consumed with their life. I gave up everything. 
that's not what love is. Love is about being wholly authentic in you, your partner being wholly authentic in them. You come together in this beautiful divine union and you create a third shared space, which is now what the family and the unit becomes. And this is where two beautifully whole reflective people who come in with wounds, you can still have wounds, you can still have problems, but come in in that space and have this beautiful foundation that no matter what happens, it works, right? And that's the part. I, I think that's my answer for what went wrong in most people's lives. And so I'm not going to like say we're going to put a dating ban on teenagers or young adults, <laughs> right? But I am going to say if you could try to figure out how to love yourself more in that space of desiring somebody else, I'm telling you all these questions we talked about today will be answered. Just will be. I actually agree with you. Funnily, funnily enough, I actually agree with everything you just said. Because I yeah. think that I think people start way too young. I'm so grateful I didn't. I'm, I, I'm so grateful. Stuff you know, I, I was never yeah. consumed by that in my life. I was just so focused on just my life and games and you know what every teenager, teenage guy, I guess. I was just consumed by the games, by the by the sports, by television and by entertainment. Yeah. Really, that I was not had no interest in the other side of that. I was just more focused on my life, just because I think I was always quite a serious person. I'm still like a super crazy, funny, jokey type of person. And I'm, I'm always going to be like that. That's just my childish, childish version of myself. But yeah. I've, I've, I'm also very grounded up here in terms of my mindset, in terms of what I want in my life. And I've always been like that. I just never knew what I wanted to do. Now yeah. I know what I want to do. And I'm just going all after it because I'm like, I don't have That's time. Awesome. I don't know how long I have. So I just got to just right. work as hard as I can now. Yeah. I mean, I didn't find myself I was in my thirties, you know? So that was the thing. It's like, I don't have any regrets because I know that that was my path, but honestly, had I not been consumed with this guy and this guy and this guy and, you know, giving up my life and chasing them and doing this and doing that, like, wow, what, what would I have done in yeah. my twenties? right? But we learn, right? That's how we learn yeah. though, isn't it? But it is like, you know, again, I, I think of myself back at that. I was an emotionally hot mess. Like I was... <laughs> Yeah, I was a hot... Emotional hot mess, I love that. Mess, you know? And if I had no... If somebody had said to me, baby girl, you know what? Your frontal lobe isn't quite done yet. This is the explanation for your, your thoughts that, that move back and forth, left and right. Why you feel panic attacks? Why you feel anxiety? I know that in three or four years, this is all going to kind of start to settle and balance for you. So just stay focused on school and, you know, here are some strategies to help you with your breathing and relaxation and just stay there. And in three or four years, you'll feel better. No, nobody told me that. I thought my life was ending every panic attack, every anxiety moment in my life. I thought I was dying at moments. And now I look back. And so now I have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old who you guaranteed every night before we go to bed, we say our prayers, we thank ourselves for all that the day brought to us and the service that we've given to others. And I always remind them that they too, whatever they've experienced today is temporary and will shift and to never be afraid of it. And so I know that I, my gift came from my pain, as I said before. You know, I was one of the ones who was chosen to find the purpose in pain and that's what I shall do. <laughs> I think that's beautiful though. I think that's amazing. The way you, the way you just said that, the way you shared that, especially, in, in, um, you know, instilling that into your children now is something that I, I look up to a lot because that's something I want to do when, in the future when I have kids. It's just instilled that that love and that kindness and that compassion into them to just at the end of the day, be grateful for their life and in the morning to be grateful for their life. And just to realize that whatever you're going through at whichever age they're going to be at, it's just temporary and it will pass. 
whether it's a good thing or bad thing, celebrate the good things and don't worry about the bad things. Just be grateful for everything that you have in your life. Absolutely. Uh, I loved everything you shared, Renee. I know we're kind of running out of time now, but you know, on my podcast at the end, I have something called the final four where I pick four questions randomly and I'm going to ask you them right now. Yay! And you just, have to, you just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind. Got it. So, yeah? Yep, I'm ready. So, all right, cool. So the first one I got for you specifically is actually, if you could live in any country around the world, where would it be and why? Iceland. First, yeah, absolutely Iceland. Um, <laughs> you know, because I have ancestral um, connections to Iceland. Yeah. And um, I am some reason always called to the beauty of that land. When I got the pale skin, I think I'll fit right in. But more importantly, <laughs> I think it's just the, the connection to my ancestral, you know, wisdom and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I have a calling. I feel like something calls me there. Yeah. I might actually be going there possibly this year maybe I'm not 100% sure yet but I can't wait because it's such a beautiful place um and yeah like I don't even know why I picked that place but one of my friends wanted to go and I was like let's just do it like I I don't know absolutely (laughs) but that's really cool though so it's it's, it's mainly because of that ancestry kind of vibe that you have there or is there another I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna connect to my energy some way somehow there when I was flying over it in a plane I felt it so I knew like Something's calling me there and I'm going to find it. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. That's good. Okay. So the next one is going to be, what does gratitude mean to you? Because I know everybody has a different meaning to gratitude. They, they say it in their own way, but what is gratitude specifically for Dr. Renee? Gratitude to me is honoring all that those who came before you have done and laid for you. Never forgetting, ever, ever forgetting that those who perish, those who thrive, those who struggled, those who, you know, sweat and labored and everything gave their all for us today. You know, so for me, like I'm grateful for every woman who stood before me, every mom who stood before me, you know, every person who suffered mental conditions when they were young and felt like their life was over, you know, all those people paved that path for me. So gratitude for me is always reflecting and putting myself into that space of honoring those who came before me and then giving back into the world. Yeah. That's amazing. I've never heard that. And that's one of that is an amazing, um, that is, that is honestly a a really different take on gratitude because everyone, like I said, everyone has their own take on it. That's that's one I've never heard before. And, I really, I really love that. That was really cool. We touched Thank me a lot. You. We might have to rewind this and listen to it and go, wait, wait. That's I got kind of emotional listening to that, you know? <laughs> that was great. That was great. Okay, so the third question I have for you now is which one book on growth mindset would you recommend everyone to read that, that either you've read or you know about? You know, it's really interesting because it probably isn't a typical book. But I will say that The Alchemist was such a huge part of my my growth and my development, you know. Um, So by Coelho. Um, The other one I would probably say would be the, um, oh, my God, I can't think of it off the top of my head. The the, is it the Peaceful Warrior or was something about the um, Dan? Dan, I can't think of his name. Now I got stuff coming from me. (laughs) Anyway, it was the the way of the Peaceful Warrior. That's it. Dan Mills. Oh, yeah. Yes. That book to me changed my life, changed my life. They're both what my book ended up becoming, which was a science fiction interpretive kind of personal development discussion, right? And like, I love those books. Like, I don't want to hear all the time what's wrong with me and how to fix it. I want to lose myself in story. 
and see mm-hmm. a character move through it and be able to go through there. But I think those two were, were pivotal in my life. Yeah. Nice. You know what? I need to actually pick up that second one because I've I've never heard of it. I bought. Young Millman's fantastic. Um, they actually made a movie on it too, so you probably could find it. Yeah, and watch. I want to watch a movie first. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> I love yeah, really, right? So I couldn't watch the movie. Young Millman's a speaker, like you are. Oh and really? Yeah, does some great work. You might want to look him up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. After this podcast, I'm going to check him out. Yeah. Um, and I'll also share with everyone so they can go check that book out as well. But the last question I got for you before we before we end this podcast is if you were able to spend one day with one of the most influential people in your life right now that you look up to, who would that be and why? Do they have to be alive? They don't have to be alive. Oh God, Mother Teresa. Like, okay. yeah. Like I, I had always, a feeling. <laughs> I, yeah. Either that or Joan of Arc. Like if I was to go back to historic figures, those two are women that for some reason, I feel such a huge connection to, and they're very different, aren't they? Like one's yep. a warrior, one's fought and perished. The other one like lived a long, you know, beautiful life, but in, you know, really in poverty and, and taking care of people. And like, that is sort of what I've always felt my life was like. I was always fighting these things growing up and always trying to push them away and, and prove myself and, honor my my ancestors and things like that but yet there was this really soft side of me that always wanted to just serve people and help people and be humble and kind and and I think that those two probably were were pivotal in in the stories my dad read to me and told me about when I was a little girl super cool I like that I like the fact that they're just like you said it's so different to human beings juxtaposed yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but they kind of connect together and they they make made you who you are today two of them were both very faith-based and that's a really important part of my life you know and that's that's something that I never take for granted and and always always remember God in my life so really cool same with me actually so very similar to myself but Dr. Renee I'm I am super grateful that you came onto this podcast and you shared all your knowledge and wisdom with everyone I know for sure that you touch, you're going to touch a lot of people's life after they listen to this podcast. And I hope that they can all reach out to you and ask you anything they need to, or um, connect with you on every single platform. How, what's the best way everybody can reach you on which platforms are you the most active on? So they can go. Yeah, so Instagram is probably the one that I'm the most active on. And as you know, I recently just changed my name. So it's actually Dr. Dot Renee or yeah, Renee Mudre. I was trying to think on there. It's like, did I have it that way? But yeah, <laughs> Um, so Dr. Dr. Renee Mudre is how you can reach me on Instagram. And then I also have a website where I have an online community called the inner revolution, which is super cool. So if you go to transcendentheart.com, you can go ahead and find that, that online community and you can reach me that way as well. That is super cool. And where, where can they purchase your book? Cause I know your, your new book just came out in January and the new one is coming out soon as well. By the way, just, just so you know, when I saw your cover on your stories, when you start promoting it, I was like, it's one of the best covers I've ever seen in a book. And I'm not just saying that because it's you. I literally Does love the cover. So Joan of Arc meets Mother Teresa, right? Kind of idea. And that was the whole premise of this girl in this book, who is me essentially live, but it's called The Unbecoming, A Journey Within. And it is on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles online. Amazing. Guys, please, please, please go and check it out because... 
documentary story which she didn't really share much on the podcast but i would urge you to go and check out her story pick up that book and you know hopefully you can get a lot of value from her and also she's also always available for you on instagram just go there and dm her i'm telling you i promise you actually she'll get back to you and she'll always reply to your dms so just go out go out and reach out to her show her some love and honestly Dr. Renee, thank you for being in my life and, and for all the, the, the love and the kindness that you're also spreading into the world. Thank you so much for all the service that you're giving to mankind. Super grateful for everything that you're doing and I can't wait to catch up with you really, really soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for allowing me to be here today. No worries. You're welcome. Take care of yourself and I'll see you soon. If you're still there, I just want to say a massive thank you for your attention and your time. It really means a lot to me. Please do me one favor and subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends and leave a rating on whichever platform you're listening to this. It would honestly mean the world to me. Thank you so much once again. I hope that this episode brought value and inspiration.